as Tom said, my name is Kirsten and I have the privilege of heading up our youth work uh, here at Hope Church, which I absolutely love. Um, we took away our youth last weekend uh, for the weekend, just locally. Uh, we camped on a farm. Um, we had limited shower usage, so uh, when you're with a camp full of teenagers, is not always the best thing. Uh, but we had a great time regardless, uh, just a lot of fun uh, spending time as community together. Um, and yeah, we absolutely loved it. Um, as Tom said, we're going to be finishing up our series on fear uh, today. Uh, and what a bit of a roller coaster we've had in terms of talking about this subject. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, fear is one of those topics that sits a little bit uncomfortably in each of us. Because we are a room and a world full of um, imperfect people. And at some point in our lives, uh, we will experience fear in some degree to do with something. It's something that we can all relate on, something that we probably have all and all will experience at some point in our lives. And so I'd just love for us to take a second before we start just to pray. Um, so if you feel comfortable, maybe just close your eyes uh, and put out your hands um, to God, and I'm just going to pray for us. Um, Lord, we thank you that um, just as Rob prayed, your grace is a gift, but Lord, your presence is also a gift to us. And we thank you, Father, that your presence is with us right now. Lord, that we can trust in you, that you are with us. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to do something in our hearts as we finish up this series. Lord, that you would prompt us where we need prompting, that your will would be done in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you will come and speak to us, that we would hear your voice so clearly, that everyone in this room would know that not one is discounted from hearing your voice, Lord, but your desire is to speak to us. I pray that we would have soft and receptive hearts, that we wouldn't be cold and hard-hearted to what you're saying us, Lord. But I pray that we would be open to hearing your voice and what it is you want to say to us this morning. Amen. Amen. So as I said, this is the last um, in our series on fear. Uh, Tom came and spoke to us on the first week about living in a culture of fear. Uh, we then had Joel speaking to us on fear of the future, uh, Tim on fear of rejection, uh, Anna did an amazing job last week talking about fear of death, uh, and this week we're going to be talking a little bit about the fear of God. So we're going to talk about what it is, and we're then going to look at a story in the Bible of men who I think understood this so well, and we're going to look at how they acted and responded in fear, and we're going to look at strength and weakness in fear. And I think the phrase fear of God can feel a little bit like an alien phrase to us at times. That no matter how we seem to put it, we can't seem to shake fear as being a bad thing. I think fear can sometimes reap good results. For example, fear is what stops us um, from jumping off the edge of a cliff when we stand on the edge of one. Or it can stop us from making bad decisions like putting metal knives in toasters because um, we know there's a risk, although I know some of you probably still do that. Um, fear can stop us from doing silly things um, that will uh, cause us harm. But even then, we still seem to associate fear with being exposed, vulnerable and susceptible to harm. However, the Bible is so abundantly clear that we are to have a fear of God. Just to list some scriptures that it says in the Bible, it says, The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. 
How great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord. Fear of the Lord leads to life. The reward of humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honour and life. His salvation is near to those who fear him. You who fear and trust in the Lord, he is their help and their shield. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And Tom talked a little bit about this on the first week, that the Bible is so clear that we as Christians are to fear God. It should be dotted into our daily life. Fear should be what fuels us and it should be in us. We are supposed to be in fear. And some of you are thinking, who is this lady? We just spent four weeks talking about freedom from fear and how I shouldn't be living in fear. And I'm standing here telling you that we should be living a life in fear. However, it is a very, very different kind of fear. It's so different from this world. God is so otherly in so many different ways. Does it not make sense that he's also different when it comes to fear? And actually, we're going to watch a clip um, from The Lion King, the new version, if you're wondering, um, which I think is a fantastic analogy of what this kind of fear looks like. So we'll watch that, and then we'll come back. Well, look at this. We weren't expecting guests today. Would you two cubs like to stay for dinner? Yeah, stay for dinner. Because you look like a midnight snack. Can you just give me a little bit of space? I'm helping. We have talked about this before. I come in alone. I'm the lead distraction so everyone can circle. Okay, okay. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Just do it. Now this is a meal I've waited my whole life for. What an unexpected treat to eat the son of a king. Wait a second, the, the king, as in you know who? Who rules you know where? Mufasa does not rule me. You can't do anything to me, because I'm the future king. <laughs> He's telling me what to do. His father's strength flickering inside. I wonder how all that bravery will taste. Let them go, Shenzi! They made a mistake, a horrible mistake. But if you do this, you will start a war with Mufasa. Hyenas and lions have been at war since the beginning of time. But Mufasa's bloodline will end here! <laughs> Don't let them get away!
If you ever come near my son again. No, Mufasa. Never. Never again. You've been warned, Shenzi. Awesome. So we've got this scene in The Lion King where uh, Simba and Nala, uh, they've wandered off into the elephant graveyard. And Simba and Nala, they know very well that they should not be in the elephant graveyard. They've ran off of their own accord, consciously knowing that they shouldn't be there. And they've got themselves into this mess. And they're faced with something terrifying. And in this case, it's life or death. There's no escaping from the hyenas. They've nowhere to go. They're running and they're distressed, realizing their folly and their wrongdoing. And there's no way out of it for them. And then suddenly, in comes Mufasa. And the hyenas, they become like ants. As Simba's father, he roars and he runs in, and in his might and power, he tosses them to the side. And the hyenas, they don't stand a chance. The leader doesn't even fight back. There's no question of the fight, no question of whose battle it is. And Nala and Simba, they're watching on and they're cowering in fear. They're afraid, but the type of fear is very different. It's a fear that's the knowledge that although Mufasa is terrifying, although he's mightier and more powerful than the threat that is facing them, although he's the most powerful being there, he is not against them. He is completely for them. He's not against them. He's for them. And Mufasa is experiencing a fatherly, righteous and just anger. As the king, he stands beside his children and he declares to the enemy, you will not come against them, they are my children. And so the fear that they experience, rather than terrifying them, although they're in fear, they're experiencing security, they're experiencing safety and they're experiencing reassurance. And what a powerful image of what it means to fear God. That in his incomparable might and power, he is for us. And even when we get ourselves in this kind of mess, Nala and Simba knew what they were doing. They got themselves into this mess. And yet, they've experienced the power of their father being for them. And I wonder how many of us need to hear this this morning. Because it's so easy to feel at times that God um, is distant and, what, and just watching our life unfold. Just kind of watching when suffering occurs or when we're going through difficult times or when we're faced with the hardships of life. We can view God as distant and just watching on. But actually, when we have a healthy fear of God, it means that we're living in security, that we are protected, that we are guarded, that we are held that we are loved, that we are covered by the God of the universe. And let me tell you, there is no place more stable, more strong or more secure for us to be. That we fear his might and we fear his glory 
and yet we can rest assured and secure and safe in it. It brings us stability and safety like no other. And we're going to read a story about three men in the Bible who experienced this uh, in an incredible way. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, maybe you'd like to turn to uh, Daniel chapter 3 with me. Um, this is one of those stories where if you've grown up in church, you might have learned about this in kids' work. Uh, or if you've been a new Christian, you might have even uh, heard of this story at some point as well. Um, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because um, there is a lot of depth to it, I think. Um, it's the story of three men called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we hear about this story and we think, yes, God was with them in the fire. And we're going to pull out a few uh, just really key things in this passage, which, which I think are amazing. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be reading the whole chapter. Um, so it says this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Jura and in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of, insert all the instruments, um, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace." Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counsellors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like, is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the God Most High, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the, government, the governors, and the king's counsellors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside their king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon." I love this story. Um, as we start to read from the outset of the story, what we're faced with, I think, is actually quite a dark scene here. Um, there's idol worshipping going on. There's a, byring, uh, there's a, a, a burning, fiery furnace where people are being burnt. And there's a ruler or dictator who's telling everyone what to do. And I think sometimes we can read stories like this in the Bible and we kind of attribute uh, things like this to, oh, that was just uh, normal in biblical times. And we kind of assume that these kind of acts were regular. Um, but actually, being burnt in a furnace was probably just as shocking back then as it is to us now. Furnaces are terrifying. And I don't know about you, but if I was going to go, that's not how I'd want to go. Even from a young age, we're taught about uh, the dangers of fire. 
Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you meet a group of people for the first time, you do that old would you rather question. And one for some reason that I've been asked so many times is would you rather die from being burned or die from drowning? Now, people looked at me slightly weirdly in the first service when I said this. So maybe it's just me. Um, but I have been asked that before. I'd always go drowning. Um, but from a young age, we're taught about the dangers of fire. Uh, when we're in primary school, we get the firefighters come in in their big fire engines. And you watch those horrific videos about how you need to act when there's a fire in the room. Um, they drill it into us from a young age. Even in bonfire night, when uh, we create fires and we all gather together, and you've sat a little bit close to the fire and it's getting uncomfortable, and uh, the hairs on your legs are starting to get singed, so you have to like shuffle your chair back a bit. Um, I've even been to fireworks displays uh, with people in this church, I might add, where uh, you go and you get ready to set the fireworks and you've bought these fireworks that are like 30 metres that you should be standing away and it's a five metre garden and it's going to be a bit dodgy. Um, I've seen people dive into dustbins head first to escape uh, wayward fireworks that are going off. Um, our natural instinctual reaction is to pull away from fire is not our natural body's natural reaction to stroll into a furnace. Imagine you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you're walking up to the fire. You're being walked up, and you've got the threat of the king. The threat of the furnace is starting to get uncomfortably hot. You've then got the gore of watching the men that have taken you up uh, burn to death as they die in the fire. It's like something out of a horror movie, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't. It was real life that was experienced by real men. And they walked into the fire. They walked in. And here's the crazier thing about it, is they weren't even 100% sure they were going to walk out again. It says in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a mindset of God can, God will, and even if he doesn't, we still trust him. He can, he will, and even if he doesn't, we still trust him. And that's a hard mindset to have. I don't know if you've ever hoped that God would do something, whether you have somebody in your family who is unwell, whether you yourself are unwell, maybe uh, you're suffering through something, or you're crying out to God for a job, for provision, for health, whatever it is. At times, it can be painful and rough, and it hurts. And in that, to be then be able to cry out, God can, God will, and even if he doesn't. It's a scary thing to pray because it means trusting God enough that we believe and have faith that he'll do it but holding, a light, holding it lightly enough to say, even if he doesn't, I still trust him. It's a scary thing to pray. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they cried this even in the face of death. Even in the face of death, this is what they declared. And here's the reason why. is because they knew that where bad fear creates enslavement, 
Good fear creates confidence. Where bad fear creates enslavement, good fear creates confidence. Because when we realize how great God is and that nothing can stay his hand, then fear of man and of earthly things begins to lose its grip on us. And it begins to lose its sway on us. And we suddenly stop working for the approval of man. And we place our fear in fear of the Lord, where we find safety and security and the knowledge that God is for us. And we stop placing it in the things that are around us, in worldly things. Fear of worldly things traps us. Fear of the Lord frees us. And it means we stop looking around us. And we start looking at the one who is mightier, who is greater, and is more powerful than anything. And in that, he roars his mighty and ferocious protection and declares that no power of the enemy will touch us. That this is what we get to experience when we live in fear of God. One thing we also experience is weakness and strength in fear. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were free from earthly fear. They didn't fear or didn't live in fear of the king or of the furnace. But here's the thing, living in freedom from that, it wasn't an easy thing for them. And maybe what I'm about to say to you isn't quite what you're expecting. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego... Although they were free, they went through a traumatic and life-threatening experience. And sometimes, I think as Christians, there's a risk that we can look, through, look at freedom through this kind of glorified veil. It's so easy to get caught up in the emotion of the moment at times. And maybe you yourself have experienced freedom over the last few weeks as we've gone through this series. And we as a church love that. We celebrate that as a family and we stand by you with that. And, um, I, yeah, it, we love that. We love seeing what God is doing. But I think it's also important to recognize that at some point in your life, you will still experience fear and you will still be afraid. Do you think that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stood before the fir fiery furnace and weren't afraid? Do you think they stood before the king and weren't afraid? Because at times freedom is still going to be hard and will involve you standing for something that you don't know what the outcome will be. And it will be painful at times. It will be hard and painful at times. And we have to prepare ourselves that this is the reality. We have to know this in our heads, that at times this is going to be difficult. Because if we don't recognize that, then I think one of two things start happening. The first thing that could start happening is we start compromising our faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have so easily just decided to bow down to this idol and excused it in their minds and in their hearts. They could have said, oh, it's okay, you know what? I'm just going to bow down this once so the king doesn't kill me. Um, and then I'm just not going to mean it in my heart, and then I'll apologize to God and we'll move on and it'll be fine. I'm pretty sure that I know that might have been my response if it was me, um, they could have so easily compromised their faith in this situation. And they didn't because they had a fear of God. I think the second thing that can happen is that we start questioning if we've really been freed. The enemy is so desperate to steal our freedom from us. He's so desperate to take it from us and make us question if God is really for us. He wants to steal the freedom that Jesus uh, has bought for us. 
And when things get difficult and they get uncomfortable, we can start thinking, oh, maybe God hasn't really set me free from this. Or, oh, maybe he isn't really for me. But when we live in a fear of God, again, we stop looking at our circumstances and we experience the assurance and comfort that we have in fearing God. And at times when we do this, it makes us feel a little bit weak inside. And as Christians, it's so easy to think, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so I should have this all together and I should feel this deep in my heart and I'm not really feeling this, so maybe it's, it's not really happening. Um, and I want to say that it is so okay to feel weak in this and that actually I think feeling weak in this is the safest and strongest place that we can be. As Christians and even as Brits, we're so good at kind of pulling our collar up and like pretending that we have everything together. And we look at the person to our left and right and think, oh, yeah, they seem like they've got it all together. So I'm just going to act like I have it the same. But no, we are all weak. We are all imperfect. And it is okay to be weak. But as I said, that is the most secure place to be. It says in the Bible that Christ's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And why? Because when we're able to admit that we are weak, we start leaning on Christ's strength rather than our own. We start to look for him to him for all we need. When we lean on him in this way, our view of him starts to get bigger and bigger and our awe of him grows. And what happens then? We fear him more. And when we fear him more, we experience security and protection like no other. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were people who feared God. They suffered, they stood and God used them for his glory. And I think even as worldly powers have sought to crush the power of God, they've only ended up serving the purposes of God. And this is what happens when the people of God fear him more than they fear the things of the world. In Proverbs 14, it says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Confidence in God, and not in ourselves and our circumstances, but confidence in him. And I feel like God would want to call many of us today and almost we want to say you've lived in the shadows of fear for too long. That it's so easy to be fearful and not to step out in the way that he's called us. Um, or maybe for some of you here, you need to actually put your hands up and be able to say, hey, I'm weak. And that's a hard thing to say. I'm weak and I'm fearful. But it's time to know that the almighty and powerful God is your father and he is fighting for you from every angle. And there is gentle security and assurance in fearing him. That there's awe and amazement and familiarity. There's might and power and intimacy and closeness. He is a lion and he is a lamb. And we experience him in a deeper and more incredible way when we live like this. The knowledge that he will fight for us day in and day out. And how do we know this? Because he would give up his life in the humiliating and heart-wrenching way that Jesus did. That we read about in the Bible. That this is the life that Jesus has won for us. Living in fear, in security, in assurance. And this is what Jesus bought for you as he died on the cross. 
This is the, the, um, the prize that has been bought for us, that we may live life to the full in him as we experience this. That living life to the full means living in fear. It's real. It's what we're called to do. We have to make this a priority. In verse 28, we read a description of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says this, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. It says they trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. What a sentence to have written about you in the Bible. I don't know about you, but this is what I want to be known for. To have trusted him, to have set aside what the world says, and to have given ourselves up to serve him. And this is the response of those who have received the grace of Jesus. This is what we are called to do and what our lives are called to look like. To make a stand and to declare that we will not bend to the powers of this world that we will choose not to live in fear of earthly things, but in fear of the Lord. And as a result, we will receive fullness of God. We will grow in intimacy with him. We will see him move in power. And we will see many come to recognize him for who he is and what he has done. I don't know if you know, but the next chapter of the Bible is a whole chapter about King Nebuchadnezzar worshiping God. That is what came about as a result, not to mention the many people at the time uh, who would have um, witnessed this and been changed by this. We'll feel his protection and his guidance, his love and his acceptance, his safety and his refuge. And we'll be weak and know what it means for him to carry us. We'll experience his strength flowing through us by the Holy Spirit as we choose to stand in his strength. And choose to admit, Lord, I'm fearful and I'm weak, but I fear you more than I fear the things of this world. And Lord, I lean on your strength and not my own. And this is what he has for those who follow him. And this is what we want to receive. I'm just going to pray for us. Maybe you want to stand up. Um, if you feel comfortable, just put your hands out to receive. Lord, we thank you that a fear of you is not a terrifying thing, Lord, but in our awe of your might and your majesty and your power and your holiness, Lord, there is confidence that there is nothing greater than you. No hurt that's greater than you, no suffering that's greater than you, no sin that's greater than you. Lord, we know that you are the most powerful one to have lived. And Lord, we thank you for the security and the assurance and the confidence that that brings. The knowledge, Lord, that you are completely and utterly for us. Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning, that God is for you. He is so for you. And no one in this room is discounted from that. He's your father and he is for you. And Lord, we want to receive from you this morning. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be a people who 
are confident of this. Lord, this is what it says in your word. And Lord, I pray that we would know the safety net and the security and the comfort that comes in fearing you, Lord. That this would be something that we come back to daily, that we live in a fear of God. And I pray that this would cause us to have confidence, Lord. Confidence in who you are and your ability to move and to change lives. And I want to pray over us, Lord, that we would be as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Lord. That we would trust you even when circumstances say otherwise. Lord, that we would trust you and set aside what the world says and give ourselves up to serve you. Lord, that this would be the cry and the desire of our hearts, Lord. We want to be like this, Lord. We want to be like this. And that as a result, we will experience life to the full. That we will experience fullness in God. Lord, we want to receive all that you have for us. And I pray, make us a strong people. People who are weak but leaning on you, Father. Lord, we want to be able to turn to the person next to us and say, hey, I'm weak too. We want to be vulnerable with where we're at in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that you will come by your spirit, Lord. Let us know security. Let us know the safety net that was bought for us in the, as Jesus hung on that cross. And Lord, I pray that our eyes would be fixed on Jesus as we know this is what he has bought for us. This is what he did as he died on the cross and rose again. This is what has been won for us, a life of living in you and experiencing you, Lord. We want to thank you so much for that, Father. Lord, I pray, come and keep doing your work in our hearts. We're going to worship now, and maybe as we worship, you just want to say to God, God, I want to experience this of you. I want to know rest in you. I want to know safety and security in you. I want to know trust in you. I'm going to choose to do this even if my circumstances don't want me to. Lord, I want to. Lord, we pray, come by your Holy Spirit, Lord.